Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter seven. And if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, just raise your hand real quick. We'd love to come bring you one that you could either borrow or you can keep. And I always say this, if you don't own a Bible, take this Bible. Let this be your first Bible that you can get into. But you can also go to the YouVersion app or the Bible app. And if you go on there, you can, you can view that. It's a free app. But also, if you click on uh, the More tab and click on Events, Life Church Green Bay will be there. And all our notes and scriptures, except for a picture I have, will be available to you. If you're watching online, we wish you were here, but we're glad you're there. And I'm glad you guys are here as we're just continuing this series. I love this service. Can I be honest with you? Like, this is a powerful service to be a part of. It really, really is. And so there's times that I go through first service and then I'm like, ah, you know, I went through first service. But man, after today, I'm like, I'm always going to be in second service. It's so, so powerful. So we're, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus went on the mountain. He began to teach some things to the people, things that they maybe never heard the way he taught it before. And, and we're getting to the close where we see Jesus in chapter seven. It feels like he's trying to prepare the people. He's given his final thoughts, some final things that he wants them to take away with before they go, before they go back to their homes, to their, their workplaces, to their families. And, and, and in these, he's, he's really trying to ask some certain powerful questions. Speaking of questions, uh, this week, I sent out two questions to uh, the staff and some friends of mine and the question was, in the last five years, what is uh, something that has been built that you really like, like a building, a structure, something that has been built in the last five years in our city that you like, and what is something that was built in the last five years that you didn't like? And I I got a lot of good answers. Some answers were the same, some were were different. Some people said they loved Titletown, they loved the the new rest center, uh, they they liked some of the shops and things like that. Uh, And then some people were, uh, you know, telling things that they didn't like, Uh, you know, like too many Starbuckses and things like that, too many buildings being built. But the thing that was kind of irritate me about their answers is no one said the answer I really wanted them to say. In fact, when people were like, I can't really think of anything I don't like, I'd give them my answer. I'm like, what do you think of that wall they put on the 41? And I'm not talking about the side walls. I'm talking about when you get on the 41 and you have to get off on Oneida, it tricks you. Because if you don't get off on Oneida, but you need to get off on the 172, you have to get off there or you miss it. And I'd tell people like, what do you think about that divider? And they go, ah, it doesn't really bother me. I'm like, why is it, why? Why does it bother you? Should bother you. Like why? And then I remember Pastor Keith goes, why does it bother you? I'm like, you know why? Because I miss it every time. (laughs) There's times I might be listening to music, you know, the way I worship like there, I do that in the car too. I'm loud and I'm just, there might be times that I'm focusing on something, something's on my mind and I see Oneida and I go, oh, and then all of a sudden I go, no, I miss it. And I got to turn around. It bothers me because it's a big fork in the road. But that's the reality of a lot of things, right? 
Like there are times in our life and in situations that we deal with forks in the road. That we have to ask ourselves, you know, what decision, what direction do we need to go in? And that decision, that direction, is it the right thing? Are we prepared to make the right decision when we get to that, which I'm titling my message, the fork in the road? Can we pray? Lord, thank you. God, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here and and making this time so easy. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we are getting into your word, Lord, that we'd be encouraged by it. Lord, that we would be motivated by it. And Lord, that we would allow the word to speak to us and through us because there's people in our city that need it. There's people in our city who need to see a transformed life. So Lord, I pray, Lord, that we allow this word to transform us and to make us more like you and less like us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter seven, like I said, we see Jesus have his final thoughts. And he wants to make sure that he's clear that in reality of things, when it comes to our life, we will have forks in the road. We will have these areas where we have to ask ourselves certain questions. So if you're taking notes, I have a few questions as we're diving into this scripture that I think we have to ask ourselves, that we have to really say, am I making the right decision? Am I going in the right direction? Because if I'm not, then God, are you asking me to go in the right direction? So Matthew chapter seven, we're gonna start reading in verse 13. I'm gonna read out of the NIV and it says this, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So right here in verse 13, Jesus gives us two options. He gives the narrow gate, he gives the broad gate. And the narrow gate leads to life and the broad gate leads to destruction. But what does that mean? What does it mean, the narrow gate? What is the broad gate? What does he mean by those things? Well, in John chapter 10, verses nine and 10, he says this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have life to the full. So we see the connection there. He says that the narrow gate brings life. And he says, I am the gate and I bring life. So therefore he's saying that I am the narrow gate. That it's through me, which leads me to my first question. This is a question I think we have to ask ourselves and we have to honestly ask ourselves. And it's this, is salvation in Jesus alone good enough for you? Is Jesus alone good enough for you to have all of your faith and all of your trust in. Because the reality is 48% of adult Americans, almost half of the adult Americans believe that being generally good and doing good things will earn you a place in heaven. So there's some people who go, well, yeah, yeah, Jesus, but also I think being a good person. And I don't know about you, that sounds like broad thinking. So if we know that Jesus is the way to the narrow gate, then probably everything else is the way to the broad gate. Where Jesus is saying, I don't want you to add anything else. I'm enough. I don't need you to focus on me and the saints. Even Mother Mary, even good deeds. 
Those are great, but they won't get you access to me. It's only through me. I brought my keys up. They're not a lot of keys. They're only a couple of keys. And, and you know, some of these, actually, I don't know what this key is. Um, some of these keys do a lot of things. This key is pretty fun. This is what we call the all key here. Meaning this key opens up almost every door in the church. I can go pretty much any door, use this key, it opens it up. It's great. Can't play hide and seek with me. I got the all key. And it's great because I can. I can pretty much, and I think I've, I've even tested it and seen, you know, can it open up? And pretty much almost every single door can be opened by the all key. But here's the reality. I can't go home and try to open my door with the all key. Yes, it may open all doors in the church, but it doesn't open the door to my house. And I could try to put this key in and shove it in and maybe shake it. I can even try to talk to the doorknob. Come on, man, it's the all key, it's great. You're gonna love it. But it doesn't open it. This key opens my door. This key is the key to open the door to my house. And here's what I love. Don't have to work hard for it. Don't have to shove it in. Goes in easy, turns easily, opens easily. That's what we, here's what I know what the enemy will try to tell you. I said that Jesus alone is the only way to salvation and the enemy will tell you, no, that's too easy. Yeah, what Jesus did was really hard, so it's really easy for us. What he did was very hard, but he did that so that our decision can be very simple and very easy. He's saying, I don't need anything else. I appreciate it. It's all great. But there's only one way to get into that salvation, and that's only through me. I am the only way. I don't need anything else. You don't need to bring anything with you. In fact, nothing else can come through. It's only me. So in that fork of the road, because some of us were raised differently, we were raised to believe other things, and add other things, but the Bible says, Jesus' words say, I'm the only way. So, is he the only source of your salvation? And if he's not, we can change that today. Let's continue reading. Verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. See, Jesus is warning us because we, we actually see in the Old Testament that there were false prophets and they would offer this easier alternative to the narrow way of Jesus. That there, and even to the point that some of them would talk and they would act like disciples and they would take some of the scriptures and they would just twist it a little bit and they would try to say, no, 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 you're doing good, man. It's all great. It's all good. And, and they look just like disciples, but they didn't have the right fruit and their words were leading to destruction. So again, another fork in the road, a, a fork of good fruit and bad fruit. You guys wanna play a game? All right, let's play a game real quick, okay. So, I got two lemons. 
One is real, one is fake. You think you got it? Okay, let, let, all right. By show of hands, how many of you guys think the, the uh, lemon on the left side is the real fruit? Okay. All right, how many of you guys think the lemon on the right side is the real fruit? Okay, some of you guys aren't playing. Okay, that's fine, all right. Didn't, I didn't ask you, so no. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna, I can smell them. They actually smell very similar. They weigh a little different, but I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, how do I find out? We gotta see what's on the inside. I'm glad you guys said that. We're gonna cut them open. All right, this was the one on the left. Oh, it's fake. Ooh, what is that? Oh, it's fake. So that means this one, oh, that cuts a lot easier. There you go, that's real. That's how we know, because what's on the inside? One, if we ate this, we'd have to probably go to the hospital. But one is refreshing and life-giving. It has seeds in it that you can regrow and regrow. One has life, one doesn't. Which then leads to my next question. Which fruit do you produce when you go beyond the surface. When we go beyond the surface of you, which one do you produce? Here's what God needs. He doesn't want you to fake it. He actually, because we chose him, he wants to bear good fruit through us. It says in Galatians, in Galatians chapter five, it says that, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So good fruit will produce those things. And again, it's not something that we have to replicate or try to be really good at. No, it's just surrendering to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces these things out of us. It produces good fruit in us. It produces those things in us. But now you may be going, well, what if I am producing Bad fruit. Am I, am I gone? Am I done? No, no, no. Here's the great thing about it. Maybe the reason you're producing bad fruit is because you are being watered by the wrong thing. They did a study where they took some plants and they tried to water it with something besides water. They tried milk, sugar water, uh, salt water, and orange ju juice. And every test came almost the same, where either the plants would be stunted in their growth or they would actually die. They said that water, and even carbonated water, so you can even take some LaCroix and you know, put it, only that worked. Water was the only source for growth. Water was the only source for life. You know, you know why I get excited about that? Because when we have the right source, we bear the right fruit. And guess what Jesus says? He says in John chapter seven, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living what? Water will flow from within them. So therefore, if I am in the right source, if Jesus is my only source, then he will give me living water that will come out of me and give me good fruit. So when you get to know me, and my story, you'll go, oh, Jesus is in him. And that's what God wants for you. 
He doesn't want you when people go, tell me about yourself. They're like, mm-mm. God doesn't want you to stay, oh, no, stay like this. He wants to kill this in you and give you life so that you can have life and life more abundantly. He wants you to bear good fruit, not just for you, but for others. Because here's what I know about a lemon. You could take even this half of a lemon and do something good in many people's lives. I can pour in others. So it's not just my benefit, but it's for other people's benefit. Oh, pastor, I want to evangelize. I want to win my family to Jesus. I want to win my coworkers to Jesus. I just don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything sometimes. You just have to bear good fruit. They just need to see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in you. Ooh, to live in a city where we're told we don't have self-control and to walk in self-control. Oh, come on. That is good fruit coming out of us. And we get that because we connected to the right source. And that source brings living water. Let's keep reading. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. You're not alone. That's a hard verse for me to read too. Especially as I was starting in my Jesus journey because I thought I have to do things for God so that he'll be happy for me. That my faith depended on what I do. But here's what I love. God doesn't want what we do. He wants who we're with. God's not impressed by what you do. He wants to be with you as you do. He wants to be with you in every scenario, in every situation. Which is, here's what I love. Here's here's how we know we serve a powerful God. We serve a powerful God because people who didn't know Jesus said things in his name and healing happened and prophecy happened and demons were, it's the name. That's what I love is we can have a relationship with the name of Jesus and the life of Jesus and and just the name alone does powerful things. But imagine what can happen when it's more than a name in your life. When it's more than a name in your everyday, when you don't just just say the name, but you depend on the name, that you live for the name. But we see people who did amazing things but didn't give their life to Jesus. Why? Because it's not those who do, it's those who do the will of the Father. I love the word will in the Greek. It's the word philema, which means decisions and desires. I love that word. Because it makes me go to my next question. Is my relationship with Jesus based on what I do or by what he desires? Is it by what I do or by what he desires? Before ministry, I uh, used to be a manager for a facility maintenance company, a data storage company called Switch in Las Vegas. And my job was to make sure that we, at the time, I think we had eight to 10 buildings. They have like close to 30 now. This, build, this company's thriving. 
But my job was to make sure that every building looked good, clean, and up to date because they had computers, so we had to dust, we had to do, I mean, we had these sticky mats at every door, made sure those were nice and sticky. And, and so my job as a manager was to make sure that people did the tasks that were given to them. And I had one employee who I told that every morning when you come in, I want you to make sure you get the, the bottom level of the bathrooms because we know employees are gonna come in and uh, customers are gonna come in and we wanna make sure they're good and they're ready to go. And there's one day I went in the bathroom and it was dirty. I mean, soap's on the ground, toilet paper is everywhere. I mean, my, I found out the employees I work for are very messy people, like, a, like adults. Like no kids could go in this place. So it was just messy and so I knew this guy didn't do his job. So I go into our office that we, we shared and he's in there and the office looks great. He's, he added shelves. He added things to hang for us to grab certain things. I mean, it looked really good guys. Like seriously, I was impressed. And he saw me and he goes, hey boss, check this out. I had these things. So all we have to do is we just grab it and it's just easy access. I'm like, man, I love that. That is so cool. And he's, oh, hey, hey, check this out over here. So I added these shelves. So when we, when we get new stuff, we put it here and the old stuff go here. And he showed me everything. Everything looked good. But it's not what I asked. I love it. I loved how nice the, the, the office looked. But it wasn't my desire. What I asked him to do is every morning he came in to make sure he got the bathrooms and he didn't. And God doesn't want you to try to impress him with your good works. He doesn't want you to say, but God, look, look what I'm doing for you. God, look what I did for you. And he goes, no, no, I don't want you to do things for me. I want to do things with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to, I want you to be, in, I want to be in your life. I want to help. And, and some of you guys be like, wait a minute. I'm like so confused. I, so how do I know? How do I know that I'm doing what God desires? How do I know what I'm doing God's will? You got to connect with him. Prayer cannot just be when you go to bed and eat dinner. Prayer has to be a continual conversation with God where you're talking with him where you're saying, God, what do you need me to do? God, I'll do whatever you want me to do because I want to be with you. And some of you might be going, well, how do I know what God's asked me to do? Can I be honest with you? This is just what I've seen. He'll give you a peace, but he'll also, he may ask you to do something you're not comfortable with. Like he may say, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I can't do that. And God's like, yep, exactly. I don't want you to do it. I want to do it through you. Again, the narrow gate, we go through Jesus. And once we're through Jesus, we have the source of life, which bears good fruit. So we've already surrendered to all that God is. And then in that, God will call us to do something we don't think we can do. And that's the point. He wants to do it through us so that others can see Jesus and not us. Where they could see a real and alive and an active, even in 2023, God through you. I'm telling you, some of you guys got a testimony. When Jesus gets in the middle of it, there's going to be many people who are going to give their lives to him because if Jesus could change you, then he can definitely change me. If Jesus could do that with her, then what can he do with me? And that's what God wants. He wants you to be in his will. And there might be things that you're not comfortable with. There might be things you don't even agree with. I don't know if I should be doing this, but here's what I love about it. 
You know what happens when you hear from God? And maybe it's not audibly, maybe it's through his word. And God goes, yep, that's what I want you to do. I want you, yep, that's, that's it. I want you to start doing this. I want you to stop doing that. And we may go, ah, but here's the great thing about it. We're talking with God. So therefore, God knows us. And here's what I want more than anything. I'd rather be known by God than to be known by you guys as a prophesier, than a healer, than than an exorcist. Again, all great things. I would love to do those things. And I'm not going to limit what God can do in me, but I'd rather be known by him than be known by things. And God wants the same for you. He'd rather be you, him to know you than him not to know you, but you do great things for him. He doesn't want it. He wants a relationship. He wants to, rela- he wants to do things with you. He wants to do things through you. Let's continue reading. We only got a couple more verses. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I don't know if you see the connections, but if we go to verse 13, where it says we choose the narrow gate, which is a life through Jesus, plus we allow God to produce good fruit through us, plus we submit to his desires and his will for our lives, we have a firm foundation. Why? Because he says when we do everything he says and put it into practice, we have that foundation, which leads to my last question. When the storms come, how are you standing? Because Jesus didn't say if. He didn't say maybe. He said when the storms come. Church, the storms are coming. For some of you, the storms are already here. And he wants you to be comfortable and confident on the solid rock and not stressed and sinking in the sand. He wants you to look at the storm and smile. Honestly, he wants to be like like some of those Wisconsinites when the the tornadoes come and they hang out on their porch and and their wife is recording them looking like that. They're like, what are you doing? They're like, it's coming. I see it right there. Why can they be confident? Because they know when it gets close, they can be in the basement where it's firm and it's strong. It's a confidence knowing I got nothing to worry about. Storms come, I'm going to be all right. God wants us to have a faith like James. James says in James chapter one, verse two, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Why can we have joy and chaos? Because he is in us. And how is he in us? Because we chose the narrow gate. And when we chose the narrow gate, 
We position ourselves to pr- produce good fruit. And when we produce good fruit, we're going to him and we're asking, what is your will? What is your desire for my life? And because we do what he says and put it into practice, we can stand on solid foundation. I want to close with this. I've told this before. I am a big fan of the UFC. I'm a fan of, of people punching each other and hugging afterwards. It's just, it's great. I try to watch it every weekend and, and uh, last weekend, there was a championship match, match that honestly, I wasn't that excited about. I thought, it was, I thought it was a waste of money. It was a pay-per-view and I'm like, I don't really want to pay for this because I thought it was going to be an easy win. It was a fight with the champion, Israel Adesanya, and the replacement, yes, the replacement challenger. The first challenger got hurt. So the replacement challenger, Sean Strickland came in and that's never good. When a when person has to come in and fight the champ, and so I was like, this is gonna be easy, this is gonna be over with, I'm gonna be able to go to bed on time because it's, he's gonna knock him out, and it's probably gonna happen in two rounds. And Sean, if you're watching, I apologize. But thank you for giving me a good fight to watch because the opposite happened. Here we see a man that I found out in the press conference said he was going to wrestle, but at the last moment changed his mind and decided to box in the MMA against a professional kickboxer, but he won. He did five rounds and I'm losing my mind. I'm like, this is happening. But that thing that stuck out to me, that it was so crazy. He said, yeah, I was, I was training all my life, all this uh, match to wrestle. Uh, every day, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And then I decided in the moment, nope, I think I need to do something different. And now because of that, he is the middleweight champ. And I bring that up because I want to remind you that you can find victory in last minute changes. And I know I bring up stuff and and the scripture sounds like doom and gloom. And some of us, we we want to amen, but it's really harsh. But the reality is you can find victory in last minute changes. Because I know and I believe when I was writing this message, I felt like the enemy was going to try to tell some of you guys that you're too far gone to get the narrow gate. You're too far gone to to have good fruit. You're too far gone to hear the will of God. And you're too far gone for for, firm foundation. But can I tell you, God is the God of last minute changes. Your life could be like this. I mean, we can make that change. There is no divider at this exit. And if there was, God's saying, go through the wall because I'll still take you. And I love that God does that. How do I know that? Because the man on the cross said to Jesus, remember me. And he said, you'll be with me in paradise. Talk about last minute change. And I know that's great and good and all, but here's the reality. Can you put that picture up again? We don't know when that's going to happen in our lives though. That's just the reality. I mean, I love it. I love that Jesus will do it. But not all of us are promised those last moments on a, on a hospital bed. Not all of us are promised a last minute change. Not all of us are promised to lead through that sinner's prayer when we know our end is near. In fact, James 4.14 says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It is here a little while and then it's gone. I did a funeral yesterday 
where the wife told me we didn't know he was going. He was doing fine. He was all good. And then he was gone. We're not promised tomorrow. But can I tell you something? We are promised today. And we are promised right now. And I bring that because right now, you can make that last minute change. Can I pray with you? And here's why we do this every week. Why do we do, do our salvation prayer every single week? Because we want to give every single person an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. To say, Jesus, you are my only source. I'm, I'm giving up the good deeds. I'm giving up the, the, the church attendance. I need you and you alone. So with everyone head bowed, eyes closed, why? Because I believe God wants to have a one-on-one -on -one moment with you. And I strongly believe that some of you, you've been playing church and God says, I don't need you to play church anymore. I want to have your life and I want to have your heart. So I know it's tempting when I ask people to raise their hands to look, but please just be uh, kind and respectful and, and let people make that decision because some of it, it's hard. They've been coming to church longer than I have and today's gonna be the day where they give their life to Jesus because they don't wanna play church anymore. They want God to be the only way and they want God to move and produce good fruit through them. And Jesus did it because we know the wages of sin is death. But Jesus, who had no sin, became our sin so that we can have life and life to the fullest. So we're gonna do one of two things. In a moment, I'm gonna have you lift up your hand, look at me and put it down. And then we're gonna just say a prayer together. Today's the day. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. God's saying, today's the day. Don't wait till tomorrow. So if that's you, can I have you lift your hand real quick so I can pray with you? Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you, come on. Thank you, thank you. I know some of you guys are going, thank you. Are you trying to scare me into this? No, thank you. But it's okay to, to know, am I right? Because I want to be right. But here's what I love. When you, when you position yourself to be right, God transforms. Then you'll know you're right because he's going to make you a new creation. Anyone else? Come on. Thank you. Yep, I see you in the back. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go. Church, can we say this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for taking care of everything. I give you my life, my all. Please forgive me. Please change me. Please be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so proud of you guys. And here's the thing, I don't want you just to make that prayer. That's just step one. We want to help you. We want you to start your Jesus journey because God is going to start transforming your life. There's going to be people that I believe this month were, are going to thank God that you made this decision today. And I don't want it just to be something you do here and you leave it here. You got to take it out there. Your family needs what happened to you today. Your workplace needs what happened to you today. Your spouse needs what happened to you today. Because when they see the fruit in you, 
God will tell them that I have that for you also. So if you could grab that card, fill it out. Just check on choosing to follow Jesus because we want to get you a Bible. We want to help you on the steps where you can have a firm foundation in your faith. So grab the hello card. In fact, if you fill out the paper one, I'm going to send you some stuff. Just check that box. We want to help you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Can I pray with you one more time? You don't have to put your heads down. But you're in here saying, I am a Jesus person. But man, I've, I've spent too long trying to do for God and I need to start walking in the desires of God. If that's you, can I raise your hand? Lord, I thank you for all these hands. I thank you, Jesus, that our people who are going to allow you to produce good things through them and out to this world. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them as you're stretching their faith and they're gonna wanna quit and they're gonna wanna give up, but God's gonna say, no, no, I'm with you. I'm with you in the storm. I'm with you in this hard time and I wanna carry you through because you are gonna do amazing things for me and people are gonna see how real and alive I am because of you. So thank you, Lord, for doing what you need to do in me so that others will see you also in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.